0: You are tuned to KVMR, FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's time for the KVMR Evening News for Friday, August 28, 2020. For their support, we'd like to thank Four Paws Animal Clinic, providing medical, dental, surgical services, alternative therapies, and cat boarding for cherished companions. On Cyril's Avenue, Nevada City, Dr. Susan Murphy and staff are proud to support KVMR. F O U R Paws A C Scraps Cat and Dog Bakery Open 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Saturday Offering deliveries and curbside pickup at 2034 Nevada City Highway next to B&C Hardware 530-274-4493 Well, coming up after a look at our local headlines and local weather, we'll bring you NPR's national headlines Then we'll talk with the Director of Environmental Health for Nevada County Amy Irani, about Governor Newsom's new four-tier criteria for opening businesses in our area. Then we'll have this week's edition of World Ocean Radio. Coming up at 6.30 this evening, we'll bring you the California Report, and at 7 o'clock on KVMR, it's Achilles' Wheel, live from the Center for the Arts. If you want to hear Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman, it will be at 105.7 FM at 7 o'clock. I'm Felton Pruitt, Now here are today's news headlines. The Nevada Irrigation District says it has updated its water planning projections, which are available on NID's website. The three studies taken together help NID determine if its water storage and delivery system will provide sufficient water to meet customer demands over time and under variable conditions. The 2020 water planning projections are used by the district to prepare a number of planning reports such as the Urban Water Management Plan and the Agricultural Management Plan, both required by the State of California to be updated and submitted every five years. The information will also be used to prepare the District's plan for water and is considered when making decisions about capital improvements to its water delivery system. NID welcomes public questions and comments on the water planning projections. Questions and comments should be submitted to the District by October 9th to info at NIDwater.com. Responses to issues raised will be delivered at the board meeting on or about October 26th of this year. This afternoon during Governor Gavin Newsom's press conference, he talked about the fires ravaging California, and he also explained a new four-tiered program for opening businesses in California.
1: Well, good afternoon, everybody. I wanted to uh, just jump right in uh, as today is certainly an active and busy day here in the state of California. I'll begin by focusing, if I can, on uh, the top-line concern we have in the state, and that's the issue of the ongoing battle uh, to address these wildfires. Uh, Currently, we have uh, some, well, just shy of 15,000 firefighters that we've deployed in the state. Uh, we have nearly 2,400 engines uh, still deployed uh, to suppress these wildfires and address these fires. 730 now fires across the state, representing about 1.4 million acres that have burned uh, just in the latest round of wildfires that we've experienced. Reminding you that that round of wildfires included some 14,000 lightning strikes that we've experienced over the course of the last uh, 10 or so days, 93 lightning strikes just in the last 24 hours, 30 new fires uh, that occurred overnight. Uh, those fires uh, have all substantially uh, been uh, diminished uh, and or extinguished. It just gives you a sense again of the ongoing vigilance that is required of this moment, uh, is required of this time of year uh, as it relates to work currently being done by Cal Fire and others. Some seven individuals have lost tragically uh, their lives in 2100 plus structures uh, that we have identified as destroyed, and I uh, always caution, I did this on Wednesday, I'll do it again today, uh, the number of fatalities that we are aware of, familiar with, and number of structures that we've been able to identify, uh, there's still a lot of work to do uh, as people begin to repopulate, go back home as we continue uh, to assess the damage, the devastation, and potentially uh, the mortality related uh, to this these fires. Uh, those numbers that you see on this screen uh, are likely to go up. Just to give you a sense of where we are, uh, good news, we are seeing in terms of things going up and the percentage of containment uh, improving uh, in each of these larger fires, 730 fires overall. Uh, some two dozen larger fires that are top of mind and taking the vast majority of our resources and our attention. The LNU complex, the late Napa, uh, Lake County, Napa County complex, 33% contained when I last left you on Wednesday. Today, the containment's improved modestly. 35%, thirty five percent you see the number of acreage uh, relatively contained modest growth in the last uh, forty eight hours, but containment improving the cZU fire uh, down in the Santa Cruz mountain area nineteen percent contained on wednesday now twenty six uh, percent contained you could see a modest increase in the total number of acreage impacted uh, by that complex of fires. SCU, the Santa Clara uh, area, uh, that's 25% contained on Wednesday. or now up to 35% containment. Uh, the acreage is held well relatively stable uh, over the course of the last uh, 48 hours. I'll remind you, the LNU and the SCU fires, uh, second and third largest fires uh, in terms of total acreage burned uh, in California's uh, recorded history. Uh, The August fire uh, continues to record uh, 11% containment on Wednesday. 17% uh, now recorded containment as of this morning. uh, Roughly 197,000 acres impacted uh, up modestly, as you can see from Wednesday. The Sheep fire, I had highlighted that last week. uh, Monday and Wednesday, it was 0%. 3% 3% on Wednesday. Uh, we're seeing some real progress, tenfold progress on the sheep fire, uh, 30% containment, uh, and they've held uh, the line in total number of acres burned. Uh, And one other fire that we're monitoring uh, of particular uh, importance and concern, all these fires are important, of particular concern, though, is this sequoia fire impacting uh, the forest, potentially some of our uh, great majestic sequoias. Zero percent contained On Wednesday, uh, you can see 0% contained still today. It's a very uh, difficult fire uh, to suppress. The acreage has grown by about 5,000 acres in the last 48 hours. Uh, But this is up in Tulare County. uh, Just important in terms of uh, the potential impact on some of our planet's most majestic uh, trees. But nonetheless, uh, we are putting a lot of resource on that. Uh, We'll continue to make progress despite those containment numbers again being very stubborn. Speaking of stubborn, the containment numbers related to the transmission of COVID uh, continue to be stubborn here in the state and that's why uh, it is important just to remind each and every one of you of what you already know and that is uh, COVID-19 will be with us for a long time. For the last few weeks, we've been previewing uh, that we wanted to make adjustments based upon the input we've received from county health officers, input we've received from experts, uh, our own experience here in the state of California, to adjust the frameworks from the old monitoring list uh, to a more dynamic list that we hope uh, is not only more dynamic, uh, but is much more simple to understand, stringent, No, nonetheless, in terms of its application, but statewide in terms of uh, its consequence, in terms of what it covers. So case rate and test positivity uh, will be the new simple metrics that will determine movement within these tiers that we will be uh, highlighting here today. Here's what we're looking at. We're looking at these four tiers, color-coded, making it a little simpler for folks, purple, purple. Uh, red, orange, and yellow. We don't put up green because uh, we don't believe that there is a green light. just says go back to the way things were or back uh, to the pre-pandemic mindset. Quite the contrary. These are the guidelines, these color-coded county guidelines that we're putting forward uh, to get us through this flu season to prepare, For the upcoming flu season, this twindemic as sorts as we deal with flu and we deal with COVID-19 to work through the next uh, few months here in the state. The purple uh, part of this, the risk level we refer to as the county risk level as widespread, uh, is what commonly was referred to in the past uh, as the old monitoring list, the old watch list that you may have seen in the past let me give you an example we had 34 counties that were on the old monitoring list the old watch list now that list broadly defined and i'll be specific about the distinctions uh is defined now in this purple category as the width spread as it relates to the impact the community spread the background spread of the covid 19 virus Uh, new cases uh, that are more than seven per 100,000, which, by the way, that's a daily case rate. It uh, works out to be roughly exactly the old case rate of 100 uh, per 100,000 we had for a 14-day period, 98. Uh, So that's what the seven represents. We just want more specificity looking at daily rates, not just that 14-day rate. So no more, uh, or rather, more than seven uh, rates new cases uh, per 100,000 population. And those with positivity rates north of 8%. You'll see where the state of California is. We're closer to 6% over the last two week period. Uh, But if you're in a county with more than 8%, uh, you would be on that purple list. If you have a number of new cases that are more than 7 per 100,000 population, uh, you would remain on that purple tiered list. Let me quickly go through just some of these other colors. Uh, So, the purple uh, representing what broadly was defined um, as the old watch list. The new sectors now, three tiers, as we refer to them in these new uh, guidelines. The red uh, tier is substantial spread. That's reflected four to seven cases, new cases per 100,000, and positivity rates that drop below 8% and put us above 5%. So, five to 8%. The moderate. Uh, represented in orange, and there are a number of counties in uh, that category today. I'll uh, provide that list in just a moment. Uh, Those are with new cases, case rates uh, below uh, 4 per 100,000, one to 3.9, and you see uh, positivity rates that get up to 4.9 percent, below 5 percent. And then, of course, minimal, uh, that's the category, this yellow category. We have less than one, new case per 100,000 and less than 2% of people that are testing test positive for COVID-19. Uh, as you can see uh, with these purple, again, we are replacing the old county monitoring list uh, and we have criterion expectations. It's sort of a reset that counties that start in the higher tiers, uh, higher than that purple tier have to be in that tier with criteria within that tier that have met for at least two weeks.
0: Later on in our newscast, we'll talk with the Nevada County Environmental Health Director, Amy Irani, about how this affects our area. The weather forecast for Grass Valley and Nevada City is calling for clear skies tonight with lows around 70. On Saturday, it should be mainly sunny with highs in the upper 80s. Saturday night, clear with lows in the upper 60s. And on Sunday in the Grass Valley, Nevada City area, it should be mainly sunny with highs near 90. In Sacramento, tonight clear with lows in the low 60s. On Saturday, mainly sunny with highs in the low 90s. Saturday night, clear with lows in the upper 50s. And on Sunday, in the Sacramento region, mostly sunny with highs in the mid-90s. In Truckee, tonight, mainly clear with lows in the mid-40s. On Saturday, mostly sunny with highs in the mid-80s. Saturday night, clear with lows in the mid-40s. And on Sunday, in the Truckee area, a few afternoon clouds with highs in the mid-80s. In Angels Camp, tonight clear with lows in the mid-60s. Saturday, mainly sunny with highs in the mid-90s. Saturday night, mostly clear with lows in the mid-60s. And on Sunday, in the Angels Camp area, it should be mainly sunny with highs in the mid-90s. That's the KVMR Evening News Headlines. I'm Felton Pruitt.
2: Live from NPR News, I'm Jack Spear. In Louisiana, hospitals and nursing homes are evacuating in the wake of Hurricane Laura without the near prospect of water and electricity. As NPR's Wade Goodwin reports from one of the hardest hit areas, residents are struggling to recover from the storm. Combine 150 mile an hour winds and nine feet of storm surge, and what you get is Cameron, Louisiana. For many homes, it was the wind that was the primary destroyer, taking off roofs and caving in sidewalls, leaving total losses in her wake. The wind also broke power and telephone lines. 400,000 are without power, and 200,000 have no water either. In Lake Charles and along the coast, hospitals and nursing homes are evacuating because of the lack of infrastructure. Wade Goodwin, NPR News, Cameron, Louisiana. The NBA playoffs will resume Saturday after shutting down to protest the police shooting of Jacob Blake last weekend. Other leagues are resuming as well. Here's NPR's Tom Goldman.
1: The NBA and its players union released a joint statement announcing the return to play Saturday after what will be three days of no playoff games. The Milwaukee Bucks started a cascade of postponements in other sports leagues as well when they decided not to play Wednesday against Orlando. In the statement, the league pledged to work with players on several social justice fronts. Those include using NBA arenas owned by a team as voting locations for the general election and forming a social justice coalition to focus Focus on issues such as increasing voting access and advocating for police and criminal justice reform. Tonight, the WNBA and tomorrow, the National Hockey League resume play after also pausing in protest. Tom Goldman, NPR News.
2: Fire crews in California are starting to make progress in battling a batch of wildfires that have been burning in the northern part of the state. That's as cooler and more humid weather, along with added reinforcements from out of state, have helped. California Governor Gavin Newsom said today it's been a massive effort.
1: Currently, we have uh, some, well, just shy of 15,000 firefighters that we've deployed in the state. Uh, we have nearly 2,400 engines still deployed uh, to suppress these wildfires.
2: Two of the biggest fires in the state are now 35 percent contained. Authorities were allowing about 50,000 people to return to their homes. The fires have claimed at least seven lives and destroyed more than 21 structures. Lord & Taylor, one of the country's oldest apartment store chains, says it's now going out of business after filing for bankruptcy earlier this month. The company announcing it will close its remaining 38 stores and shut down its website. Lord & Taylor is holding a going-out-of-business sale founded as a drug, dry goods store in 1826. The company's been struggling for some time. Stocks continued their run-up at week's end. The Dow gained 161 points. This is NPR. Thousands of people have gathered at the National Mall today for commemoration of the 1963 March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. Though the current march is more about police violence against black men and racial equality, civil rights advocates have gathered at the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, where the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech. Turnout has been somewhat lighter than expected, in part due to city-imposed coronavirus restrictions that limit out-of-state visitors to the nation's capital. I'm Jack Spear, NPR
0: News. You are tuned to the KVMR Evening News. We're talking with Amy Irani, the Director of the Environmental Health Department of Nevada County. Uh, Thank you for joining us, Amy.
3: Absolutely, Felton. Pleasure to be here.
0: So today, Governor Newsom announced a new four-color tier for uh, counties as far as what they can do as far as opening their businesses and such. Can you fill us in and kind of explain that to us on what what the new four color code chart is all about?
3: You bet. So there's it. It, it actually provides some good news. I was I was happy to see that Nevada County um, is in tier two. Preferably, I'd love to be in the minimal tier four, but essentially, is a tier one through four. One being the uh, most restrictive tier, and four being the the least restrictive. So. Right now, Nevada County is in Tier 2. And what does this mean? What it means for retail food operations or restaurants is that they can, uh, we can resume indoor operations or dining with modifications. And and what are those modifications? Those modifications are the food facility can either have a max of 25% of their normal capacity or 100 people, But you have to go with whichever is fewer. So I guess to give you an idea um, for Nevada County, our permitted facilities, all our restaurants are permitted by seat. So you have some facilities that have up to 15 seats, and then you have some that go up to 50. So when you think about this, like a one to 15 seated restaurant, you think about, okay, if you have 15 seats actually available, let's assume that's a total of eight tables, just throwing a number out there and being assumptive. Then 25% of eight tables would be two tables. And so our recommendation is the facility occupies with three tables or less, and you still have to practice the social distancing.
0: That's going to be pretty tough for a business to stay open if they can only do 25% of their normal capacity.
3: It is, but that includes the outdoor as well. I agree with you. The the thing here that I think we we all need to remember is we are so close to moving into the moderate tier, and if we can keep there, there's two numbers that we're going to focus on, and if we can keep our percentage, and our cases below where we are now and keep it steady for the next 21 days, we can move into the moderate tier, which would allow for 50% capacity or 200 people whichever is fewer and and if we all work together and continue down this path keeping our you know our cases low our daily cases keeping our testing up you know uh, ensuring we're all wearing masks and doing the right thing we eventually get to that minimal tier which is ideal and would love to see us get there
0: what does the minimal tier allow
3: it allows, um, it still is a max of 50% capacity, but does not limit the number of bodies. So, I mean, you could have, we could sit down and go into a facility and say, okay, social distancing. And honestly, Felton, most of the food facilities that had dining operations are already set up. They were doing social distancing before the governor or the state order came out that it's strictly outdoor dining. So most of our operators are are clearly set up and ready to go. They pretty much have a plug-and-play operation that they have, you know, done the social distancing, separated out the tables, and they can just move back indoors. So it would be a max of 50%, but um,
0: But they would
3: look We're not at that tier yet, yeah. You are correct, yes.
0: So this is kind of, I guess this is good news for, for restaurants and businesses and such. Especially now, with the smoke issue being another factor,
3: it's big. I mean, I I'm really happy that it, it came down. I would prefer to be in obviously the orange or yellow tier. Um, we're in the red tier right now, but yes, I I would love to be in the in the minimal tier, especially for our operators that are that are seriously struggling. But you know, we also have uh, bar top dining. Um, That kind of thing, and I'm not actually considering that in the table capacity, but I plan on Monday we're going to have a a meeting that's going to come out via Taylor Wolf and, and Sheila, both with the CEO, PIO office. They're putting this together really quickly, so we'll have a webinar where folks can you know, call in or join and ask questions, and we're going to discuss a few things in more detail.
0: So that means going back to actually having like a bar open with social distancing so that, you know, it wouldn't be packed, but you might have a person here, a person there, and a person there?
3: It would be a bar associated in a restaurant, not strictly just a beverage bar, Uh because bars right now still have to have food service. Right. So if you're just a bar, um, I know there's there's bars that have gone through great lanes to have outdoor uh, seating and cater in food or have food delivered. Those kinds of operations would still need to continue. If they had seating indoors at the bar, they would also have to remain at that 25% capacity. But it is a, a stricter limitation on bars as opposed to restaurants.
0: Is there a definition of serving food? What that is? I mean, is that uh, salsa and chips? Is that peanuts? Is that a real meal?
3: It's a meal. Um, it's considered a, a true uh, meal. That would be what um, you know. What what your normal assumptive uh, idea is? Peanuts, chips. Those are um, ready to eat, prepackaged foods, and you know those aren't considered substantive when thinking about a meal which has a protein uh, or other with the the food product.
0: We were all worried about what was going to happen when it gets cold. So if we can keep our rates down, then we're going to be okay and be able to eat inside.
3: Yeah, we're we're moving that way. I'm really keeping my fingers crossed. We just keep going towards the yellow.
0: So it's up to everybody to keep doing the things that we've done to keep our county in in a good spot position pretty much and do the social distancing, wear the masks, wash your hands and stay out of large crowds.
3: You are absolutely correct, Felton.
0: Anything else I forgot in
3: there? (laughs) No, nothing else. Thank you.
0: All right. Well, we've been talking with Amy Irani, the uh, Director of Environmental Health Department here in Nevada County. Your job, I'm sure it wasn't, you didn't know what that job was going to be like two years ago or three years ago whenever you started doing it. Boy, it's a totally different job now, isn't it?
3: But you know what? I still love it. And, and we always have our ups and downs, and, and we have our struggles. But, um, you know, it, there's always good in this, and there's wonderful people in the industry, and I still enjoy working with each and every one of them. So.
0: Well, I think people should appreciate the effort that the Environmental Health Department puts in to keeping our community safe. That's I really your job.
3: appreciate that. Thank you very
0: Thank much you. for talking with us, Amy.
3: Absolutely. Thank you.
4: Welcome to World Ocean Radio. I'm Peter Neal, director of the World Ocean Observatory. We have divided and subdivided the land with boundaries, arbitrary lines drawn in response to historical events that define territories as nations comprising a descending order of jurisdiction to states, regions, municipalities, and tribal areas, all subject to change given the flow of social and political interests based almost entirely on shifting attitudes based almost entirely on profit by control. Paradoxically, we have also evolved a method for conflict avoidance, based almost entirely on consensus, that prolongs decisions, satisfies no single interest, and leaves underlying conflict unresolved and enduring. This construct is, by definition, partial and unfair. A sense of inequity, then, is pervasive, and the flashpoints of this contradiction are the source of ongoing misunderstanding, resentment, and community disruption, Equity is defined as a context for fairness and justice, but it has a second meaning as a measure of ownership, a share or investment in an enterprise that may in itself be inequitable as it's not available to every member of society. Questions rise. Must equity be equally and inclusively and diversely and justly shared to be realized as a foundation for security and peace within all human institutions? How can this be achieved? Is it even possible, given our history of differentiation by race, ethnic identity, religion, financial status, and self-interest? We continue to struggle with this condition on land. Success is elusive. But what if we redirect our quest for equity from land to ocean, where the lines are fluid, the resources are fluid, and the opportunity for invention and transformation of values and engagements remain open to change? To do so, we must accept that the ocean is a commons, a vast and fertile reservoir of natural resources and natural forces that are accessible by all for the survival of all. This is true and an exhilarating principle on which to base our future. We use the ocean in two fundamental ways. First, it is a system for exchange of goods, people, and ideas. We transport land-based harvests and manufacture from one place to another as a function of work, supply and demand, and profit from the land. The tools are ships and underwater cables, tankers, and pipelines that enable a system of transfer that is ironically counterproductive by virtue of the conflict it genders. This is a process of taking. Second, the ocean is a vast source of biodiversity and bioactivity that provides us food, water, health, energy, and many other forms of sustenance, physical and spiritual. This is a process of giving. Here is the danger. We are at risk of applying the taking values and behaviors that have brought the land to near exhaustion, increasing inequity, injustice, and inadequacy to debilitating consequence to the sea. We are consuming resources beyond the capacity of the earth to provide, corrupting the fertility of the fields, polluting the inland waters, poisoning the air, and building a society based on short-term interest over long-term viability. This cannot endure, or simply put, we will not endure. Thus, if we look to the ocean as a place to begin again, in the welcome of its giving, and share such bounty as if we are each and every one equal shareholders, not just taking, buying, and selling as our principal focus, but giving, giving back to sustain our equity, to build up our investment over time, to meet the demands of diversity, inclusion, equality, justice, and survival. An article in the Stanford Social Innovation Review, September 15, 2016, offers this revised understanding of equity. Equity describes something deeper and more complex. It is about each of us getting what we need to survive or succeed, access to opportunity, networks, resources, and supports based on where we are and where we want to go, unquote. Where we are? When we look around at the social strife, dislocation, poverty, starvation, and pandemic, it must be concluded that we are not in a good place. Where do we want to go? If the land cannot sustain us in these fundamental ways, then we must go to sea. We will discuss these issues and more in future editions of World Ocean Radio.
0: Well, that's going to do it for our newscast for this evening. The KVMR Evening News is produced by Paul Emery Audio. For their support, we'd like to thank Culligan Water, providing water treatment and delivery service to residential, office, commercial, and industrial locations while minimizing the impact on the environment for over 80 years. Information at Culligan.com. Good times in Grass Valley. Over 20 years of serving board enthusiasts in Nevada County. Offering name-brand apparel, shoes, sunglasses, and more. Sustaining the local economy by keeping the bills on the hill. GoodTimesGV.com Well, coming up next, it's the California Report. And at 7 o'clock, we're going to take you live to the Center for the Arts for a live broadcast of Achilles' Wheel. If you'd like to hear Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman, it will be airing at 7 o'clock on 105.7 FM. I'm Felton Pruitt. I'll see you tomorrow afternoon here from 2 to 4. Have a wonderful Friday evening.